We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode, a Friday edition of the Knicks Film School podcast. We are back to our winning ways. Um, I I will say in complete, full and honest disclosure, um, I am I'm in the process of enjoying a couple days off for for a couple of reasons. One, um, sleep is a wonderful thing. Let me tell you, I never appreciated that more before before this season. (laughs) <laughs> and Andrew, as my producer, Andrew Claudio, is in the background uh, saying amen. Amen. Holla, amen to amen that. To that. Um, so that's one thing. And two, I'm, I'm, I didn't even tell you this, Andrew. I'm a little under the weather. Um, and so I will be NyQuilling it up tonight as well. Um, so recording this um, on Thursday. Great show for you um, right now uh, coming up. We have, if you've, if you've quite frankly, driven through New York at any point in the last 10 years, let alone lived here. You have heard his voice, John Jaskrensky. He um, uh, was JJ after dark on WFAN for many, many years. He has a new podcast on the ringer podcast network, New York, New York. It's fantastic. Um, We talk about that. We talk about his backstory. We obviously talk a lot about the Knicks, some intersport comparisons, great conversation. You're going to really enjoy that. So stay tuned for that coming up. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good because we got a couple days now and they are coming off a win and I'm really happy they're not coming off a loss. So that's great. Not a a ton by way of news. Um, other than, uh, there is a personnel move that has been, um, I guess we could say it's, it's more than rumored. It's been reported at this point that they are going to, um, sign Luca Vildoza. 
I want to make sure I got his. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I hope I'm not mispronouncing. Luca, wherever you are, if I'm mispronouncing your last name, you could come on the pod and yell at me. Um, anyway, he is uh, an overseas point guard. He's uh, played. He's uh, Argentinian. Um, he's played in Spanish league. Um, he is quite good. And uh, the, the news that broke today was that the buyout figure for him, for his uh, home team, is $2 million. So for anybody who's been reading reports of this kid for the kid, he's 25 years old of this guy for the last week or so. And I was like, Oh, is this, you know, not a big deal. $2 million buyout says to me that this is a guy who, you know, is going to factor into what the Knicks are doing moving forward. Now, is he going to factor into the Knicks this year? Um, That I, I can't say nobody really knows that because just Tibbs, Seems like a creature of habit, but at the same time, Tom Thibodeau's a guy who likes to win basketball games. And I think come the playoffs, he's going to really like to win basketball games. So if you told me, if you looked in your crystal ball and you were like three weeks from now, this guy was on the roster and getting, you know, 10 minutes off the bench and Alfred Payton was in mothballs, um, you know, whether it's Derek Rose starting or Alec Burke starting or something else, like nothing would surprise me. Um, you know, in terms of what type of player he is, uh, very briefly, he is kind of a flashy combo guard. He could shoot it. He has a little bit of a flair. Um, he's taken some big shots in his, in his career. He's made some big shots in his career. Um, he's talented. He's, he's the real deal. But again, with all these European players, you, you never really know until they come over and, you know, we'll see, but it is definitely something that is, is worth, this is not, um, no offense to him, but this is not the John Henson signing. In other words, this is something actually worth, you know, um, recognizing and saying like, okay, when is he going to be here? And just for anybody worried about the timing or the logistics of this, um, if he's going to be signed to a regular NBA roster spot, as opposed to a two way, which again, given the buyout figure, he's going to get an NBA contract, probably going to happen after Jared Harper's two way runs out. That is going to happen on Monday. So I would expect some news on this in the middle of the next week. I think that is it. Um, so, uh, yes, we got John Dostrebski coming up right now. Enjoy that episode. And, uh, of course, enjoy your weekend. And um, we hope you like the interview. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, I am honored to have as my guest. He has become one of the more, um, certainly one of the more heard voices in New York sports over the last decade. I still remember listening to the contest that got him his show. My God, has it been a decade? This is insanity. Um, now he has gone um, national um, while also staying local. And we're going to talk about that. Um, formerly JJ After Dark. He'll always be JJ After Dark. Let's let's call it like it is. But he's the host of The Ringers New York, New York podcast with John Jastrzemski. John Jastrzemski. What's going on, my man? It's a pleasure to be on, man. I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. All is good. Appreciate that kind introduction. What's happening, dude? Dude, I, I got to. OK, there's so many places we could start. I, I don't. I'm sure there's people, things people want to hear about. There's only one thing I want to talk about. Staten Island. We are both from the same place. Well, there you go. That's a good start right out of the gate. We just that's the it. only it's the only place we gotta start. Um, so we're gonna get to the show, we're gonna get to the next week, all that stuff. Before any of that, humble beginnings, I consider it because I again I could say this because I grew up there too. When you were growing up on the island where it doesn't seem like anything good happens to anybody because it's Staten Island, 
Did you think someday, man, I'm going to be the voice of New York sports for like the major media like outlet that covers all this stuff? Like, when did this become a thing where you're like, I'm going for this. This is going to happen for me. I mean, you always want to dream big, right? Like that's kind of been my thing since, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years old. But I, I think going to Syracuse, set yourself up there where you're doing a lot of shows and you get yourself, you know, and a lot of different opportunities that was big. But I mean, basically the minute I started FAN, I mean, Jonathan, I was in a position where I, okay, I got to make the most of this man. So, you know, I, I can't say there's like one pivotal moment in my life where I was like, all right, this is something I want to do, but you know, it just kind of organically happens over time. And, you know, you get more and more comfortable doing it. You kind of grow into your own voice, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and you know, now almost 10 years later, uh, a couple of gigs later, I'm sitting here talking to you. So, yeah, I mean, from Petrudis High School to Syracuse to the fan to the ringer. Quite quite the ride, my friend. Listen, I'm we don't have to get into this now, but I'm pretty sure I dated a girl from Petrudis that was well, we're five because I'm 30. I'm about to be 38. You're 33, right? Oh, wow. You're looking young for 38, bro. Well, Give me credit, man. Good head of hair, facial, even with the beard, you're looking young. Uh, very kind. You got, me, you got me by a few years. Yeah, because I graduated okay. to Treaties in 2006, and I graduated Syracuse in 2010. Okay. And this is, by the way, for anybody listening who's not from Staten Island, if you're a Staten Islander, you're legally obligated to do this. When you meet anyone else from Staten Island. No, you got to run the mill. You got to run a gauntlet, dude. Absolutely. So, and I'm, I'm shocked you have not asked me yet. Where we get pizza and what, like, what is on the menu for the next couple of months. So, yeah, that kind of is part for the course. No pun intended. Uh, okay, we'll take it back another another second. You mentioned some gigs, obviously. Um, so, I again, I, I gosh, the contest, the contest. When I hear the contest, I think I think Seinfeld. By the way, when you said the contest, I know, but like, I right, the stuff that I can't say on this podcast, but I might get myself in you trouble. Could, you know, you could say I appreciate that you curse on your podcast. By the way, yeah, it's nice. I got to be honest. For nine years of not being able to let an <laughs> f bomb out, it's kind of kind of refreshing. I mean, you know what? The first one I was like, you know, candy candy store where like being able to say it was like a thrill for me. Now I kind of limited to like one, maybe two curse words, uh, an hour and thirty minutes. You know. I, I get messages from people who are like, yeah, I put the episode on with my two little girls in the back of the car. So I'm like, okay, I got to be cognizant of this. Yeah. Um, you know what, though, dude? At that point, though, you know, yeah, they're going to learn it anyway. So the contest, the real contest, we got Seinfeld, the real contest Um, going in. So for anybody who doesn't know, you won the the contest. It's, I don't know if Francesca put it on or if he was just the host. Whatever. Yeah, no, he was he was hosting it when I won to, it. The final, to, yeah. to, to find, uh, you know, the next voice of WFAN. Um, when you just, I have to ask when you won that thing where it was, it like, holy shit, this is my moment. Or were you, were you taking it one step at a time? Do you, do you remember what that felt like? It's pretty exhilarating, dude. I mean, it really was. Now, listen, you don't want to overreact to getting a two hour show one day a week, because listen, you got to make the most of that. I mean, you could, you could have that show for a year suck. And then a year later, it's all right. You're back singing for your supper. And, you know, your moment of glory has kind of come and gone. I think the biggest thing for me, in all seriousness, is that I just kind of felt like I needed an opportunity and a platform. And I said, if I get that first job, I'm going to make the most of it. I didn't know it was going to be at FAN for nine years. You know, I, I was thinking when I won that contest, all right, I have a year. I'm going to really hone my craft. I'm going to yeah. kick ass. And if it means I got to leave a year later and I have more opportunities that come my way, so be it. 
it just happened to work out where organically I was able to grow there to a certain point. Mm. You know, you go from doing two hour show once a week, then filling in when a couple of people take off, then you're doing two days a week, then you're doing three days a week. And then of course you end up doing five days a week. So I didn't know at the time that meant, Oh, I'm going to have, you know, a pretty lengthy and successful career at the radio station. But you know, you want to, you want to think positively for sure. And it was, it was exhilarating to, to win that contest because it was like winning American Idol or something like that, you know? That, I, but listening to it, that was like anyone who ever listened to The Finn, that was like American Idol for us. It was like listening to a live American Idol. It was crazy. So you, you won it. Um, and then it comes to eventually you get to overnights. I'm curious because for me, I know, I, I think, because when I first started doing this, I was, I was like, joke with my producer, Andrew, all the time. I was like, yeah, I'm fucking around with my kitchen table. It's like I'm bullshitting with, the five people listening to me in my mind, that's what it was. It turned out it was a few more than that, but I said whatever I wanted. I didn't think twice about anything. When you were doing overnights, was it actually, was it kind of freeing to know that like it's overnights, right? It's like, you could be, I don't, I I, I see where you're going now. I didn't look at it that way. Okay. How did you look at it? To me being on at three in the morning, especially when I first started, I'm treating it the same as I was on it. I don't know, two or three in the afternoon. Like I, I never was mindful and aware of like, oh, this is a time, you know, like I'm shooting the shit. I'm letting it rip no matter what time I'm on. Does that make sense to have to like, it makes, but I really like, I I never have felt I was doing a different show overnight, midday, afternoon, whatever. I, I guess the only difference would be the length that you might take a call. That, that to me might be the only difference where I'm on the overnight. Let's say I have, three people on the line, I'll give them a little bit more time. I'm on earlier in the day and I got a full board. Then yeah. I get as much leeway in that sense. I, it, it, you know, to me though, I remember, cause I, once upon a time, many past lives ago was a bartender and a DJ. So there would be many a night where I'd be driving home and you would be, you'd be keeping me awake. Um, I don't know. It was always very impressive to me because you were always so authentically you. And if you're going to make it in this market, if you're not going to be authentic, you're, you're, you're fucked. So yeah, I don't disagree with that. You have to be yourself. And I say that to any of these broadcasters coming up in the business. Listen, you obviously have to go about things a certain way. You know, you have to, you know, sound like you know what you're talking about, do your research, do your prep work. But at the end of the day, you have to be original. You have to be yourself. And if you're not coming across as being yourself, it comes across. I think it does. Yeah. And, you know, some people, believe it or not, think that, I'm putting on an act, which is hard to believe because anybody who spent two minutes with me, whether it's now, whether it's on the air, yeah. off the air, what you see, what you hear is what you get. Yeah. Uh, you may like it. You may not. I really don't give a shit. But the reality is it's like uh, I let people like, yeah, this guy is staging an act. I'm like, you guys, God bless you, man. God bless you. I'd love to have what you're drinking tonight. You know? But if you look at the people who, you know, Joe Beningo, obviously Francesa, um, you know, it, the like, you can you can, it's so obviously authentic what they're doing. And I always got the same sense from you. So that's, I, I don't know. God, God bless anybody who thinks you're doing an act. If you've been able to keep up this act for that long. No, I'm doing too. something, man. God bless. <laughs> exactly. God bless. I'm one hell. Maybe I'm going to get nominated for a golden globe. Or there you go. Seriously. Um, so uh, you mentioned um, the calls, obviously you're doing the podcast now for the ringer. It's, it's awesome. I, I love that you're doing the voicemails. I think that's a nice, it's, it, it, brings me back right to when you when you had callers that said it's a different animal um do you do you miss the live interaction with callers yeah i mean listen i miss my regulars 
I don't miss some of the idiots that give you a five word point and suck and you got to get rid of them and you got to entertain them. I don't, I don't miss that at all. I mean, I am my regulars, my, my, my loyal JJ followers that I would have conversations with and you kind of felt like you knew them, but I got to say, Jonathan, I've been doing this podcast now. I think we're going to do episode 12 later tonight, right after the NFL draft. Dude, I feel like I've been doing this podcast now for three years. That's the that's the amazing thing. I, it sounds like that, though. The transition for me has been very seamless. And to be honest, I didn't know if that was going to be the case, but it's a lot of the same content that helps. I think the voicemails give you that sense of home in that regard. It's not the same, but it brings that element to the table. And it's me being me. So... You know, I, I definitely don't miss the hours. I can tell you that much. I don't miss. <laughs> and here's what I like, too, about the format. If I want to do an additional podcast a week, I can do it. If it's a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night and it's kind of dead, I'm not at the point where I'm like, wow, I got to churn out a four-hour radio show. Yeah. When in reality, there ain't a whole lot going on right now. Like, those are the shows you don't miss at all. The big event. The big show, that's what you miss, maybe shooting the shit with your friends and your callers or whatever. But all in all, man, I could not be happier with the way the transition has gone because I wondered how it would go. I had questions. I was confident it was going to go well, but I thought it might take some time. It didn't even take maybe a week. After a week, I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this forever. So, and, you you know, you talk about, like, you, you – that's what you have to do, but you could do extra. When I heard the emergency pod after uh, the Knicks eighth win, I'm like, this is, this is what I'm talking about here, baby. Um, I loved it. Um, one sport uh, is what I do. And it's hard enough um, to do this. You talk about every sport. Um, I asked, I had Evan Roberts on this podcast, I don't know, a year ago or so. And I asked him about it. I'll ask you, it's the toughest thing in the world for me to imagine. And because again, New Yorkers, they know a fake when they see it, you can't fake it. Um, how hard is it to keep up with everything and be equally authentic about baseball, football, you know, basketball for the eight hockey fans out there, hockey, you know, like what, what do you, what do you, what, what would be your advice for, for that, for people who are looking to get into like doing everything? Uh, watch as many games as you can. Look, it's, it's tough. It's not perfect. You know, there are going to be situations where, you have, I don't know, both baseball teams playing. You have the Knicks playing. You have maybe a couple of hockey teams playing and whatnot. And you're going to have to try to have that editorial consent where you're a host and you say, all right, what is the big story of the night? I usually set up two or three TVs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be, but like, for example, regular season hockey, that's going to take a back seat for me. I'm not going to do as much of it as I do regular season basketball because my audience doesn't have that same craving for it. You know what I mean? Like I lead shows doing hockey. My ratings are going to be terrible. That's just reality. I don't care how compelling and how entertaining I may be. It's it's more of a niche audience. And I I think if you're going to do sports media in New York, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can't fake baseball, basketball, and football. Nope. That's it. You can't fake it. You got, and I, the biggest advice, Jonathan, I give to people getting into this, they ask me, listen, not everybody's going to have the crazy photographic memory that I do, yep. but watch the damn games. Don't try to make it a three-ring circus. Don't have a thousand notes in front of you. Watch, read, react, and be conversational, and that will usually, in most cases, stand out. So um, I know you've been watching because I could tell from how you talk about it. I know you've been watching the Nick games of late. So we'll transition. Oh, I mean, to that. Yeah, dude, this is the gayest I've been about them in a decade, dude. I mean, listen, how old? Well, how so old that's what I was going to ask you. If someone, I mean, I don't know how long this was in the works with with Bill. Um, if someone had told you when they when you know you first started talking about the idea of having this podcast, like what odds would you have given it that where it's late April on the cusp of May? And somebody would have been like, yeah, you're just going to be talking about the Knicks pretty much every show. And it's not because Dolan was like, you know, I don't know, fired half of his Dolan staff, being but- Dolan, basically. Yeah, it wasn't Dolan being Dolan. Um, what would the odds have been? Quite high. I'll put it that way. They would not have been <laughs> even money odds. No. Uh, I think that's a kind of way of looking at it. But it's such a good thing. Listen, I'm not delusional with whether I as a franchise that I want an NBA championship. Then I win in multiple rounds in the playoffs. But the fact that they're going to be a possible four or five seed, the fact that they have competed their tails off the way that they have, you finally feel like they have a foundation. They have a winning culture. They have an identity. A lot of that is credited and should be attributed to the head coach, who is hands down, in my opinion, NBA coach of the year. I don't care what Monty Williams has done. I don't care what Quinn Snyder has done. The Knicks have been a dumpster fire for two decades, and he's got them multiple games over 500 and a four seed when they had a win total at like 21 and a half for the beginning of the year. So, yeah, I, I did not see it coming with the pod. It's it's great, though, because you know this. As big as the Yankees may be, as big as the Giants may be, when the Knicks are hot and the Knicks are playing winning basketball, they would out question the number one team at that. So we were talking about this on the pod a few weeks ago, trying to rank. At, well, you were you were talking. It was it was spurred from your discussion with Bill trying to rank the teams. And I, I it's funny in my mind, and maybe this because I was raised by a Yankee fan who looked at Mickey Mantle like he, he was a literal god on walking the earth. I don't. I to me the Yankees are always one, and then it's the Knicks fighting it out with the Giants for number two in this city. But then I was listening to your. Um, interview with Francesa from a few weeks ago. And he's like, there would be times where we did 90% Knicks for months at a time. Do, do you really think the Knicks are number like when the Knicks are good, they're and number they're one? Good, but that's see, that's the thing. You go back to the 90s, you had that going. You haven't had it going in such no. a long time because of where the franchise has been. 
So it's even difficult for a guy like me, Jonathan, to gauge it in my years of being on the air. Because I think in my years of being on the air, the Knicks have only been in the playoffs twice. It was the 20 – well, three times. No, I started in 2011, twice. The year yeah. they got bounced by Miami in the first round. Yeah. And the following year, they beat Boston and it lost to Indiana. Those are the only two years I've been on the air when the Knicks have been playing playoff games. They were the dominant subject and the number one focal point of conversation during that period. I don't have much to reference, though, after that fact. You know what I mean, dude? So I will, I will be able to give you a very good idea in mid to late May, in early June, if the Knicks advance out of round one. Oh, goodness. And beat Atlanta or Boston or whoever. And what kind of buzz they get in that second round series. Now, they're not going to be expected to do anything in that second round series. But I think that, like, intrigue and that sizzle and that buzz will absolutely be there. I wonder, because, you know, it's weird. The, we always hear it when you talk about the NBA, and Bill talks about this, has talked about this for years. It's like the teams that are, like, you know they're not going anywhere. And, like, there's only so much buzz you could have about them. But at the same time, when there's a special story attached to it. And that's what I think is unique about this Knicks team, even in the context of other New York sports, like in the last, just in the last 10 years, I can't quite think of another team that outpaced expectations anywhere close to this. There was the Yankees of a, several years ago. But I was going to say 17 Yankees. 17 Yankees. Yeah. Um, 07 Giants. No, oh, that's a good one. 2015 Mets. But here's, here's the element though. Remember, the Knicks have been awful for two decades. Yeah. So in many ways, it makes what we've seen that much more refreshing and that much more enjoyable considering how well the bar basically in many ways has been set. Yeah. Um, and and you mentioned a big reason for that before is Tom Thibodeau. I, I agree with you. I think he should be coach of the year. I was listening to the interview you did with Van Gundy, which, by, by the way, for anybody who hasn't listened to these, um, it, again, podcast is New York, New York. Well, that's the beautiful thing about the podcast. It's not like it's old. It's <laughs> yeah. gone. You got to search it. It's on the page. Spotify, <laughs> Apple, literally, you want to listen to Mike, listen to Mike. You want to listen to Van Gundy, listen to Van Gundy. All on demand, all day, every day. You know it, bro. Just listening to Mike talk about his like travel plans to open the show. No France, with you. no France in Saratoga. No France. I was I was heart my heart broke for him. I I could listen to that man talk about um talk about paint drying. Anyway, the Van Gundy uh, pod you did. I was thinking about it because it's been twenty years now when he since he um thankfully got one of the last ships off the Titanic. And I'm thinking about Tibbs in the since Van Gundy left. Just in terms of coaches managers right in new york sports i'm trying to think of someone that has you know inspired this much you know uh awe and like admiration in the fan base you want to know who the only name i, I came up with is? tell me if you think this is nuts i think i think a rex ryan because remember right at the beginning of the ryan era how much excitement there was about this guy who came in he didn't. He was had his own way. He didn't give a shit about anything. And Tibbs kind. Of, this Tibbs gives you that vibe. A different personality, obviously. But in just in terms of like coming in, it's like, all right, we're gonna take. We're gonna be a serious team now. Do you get any? Or does anybody? He's reminded you of anybody else? Oh well, he left his mark. I I think that is the similarity between Rex and Tom Thibodeau. The only difference is Rex came into a team that had far more talent. I mean, the Jets, well, yeah. they were nine, what were they, nine and four? They lost their last three games, collapsed, missed the playoffs that year. 
Um, and they had a good talent base. They were good on the offensive line. They yep. had Revis. They had veterans on defense. I would look at this coaching job as even more impressive, to be honest with you, because I didn't think the talent on this team was particularly good. Going into the year, I said, no, they're uh, – I said if they overachieve, they're going to win low to mid-30s this year. Oh, that would have been glorious. 32 and that and, above, and beyond, above and beyond. Yep. And the development of guys on this team. Look at the development of Barrett and Randall and quickly. That's coaching. There's no other way. That's what coaching can do, building that sort of foundation that's been lacking. So, yeah, it's hard to find one. You know, it took them more time. Buck Showalter had a similar point uh. on the Yankees. The only thing is, Buck had yeah. one or two lean years before they got good. Yeah. Gibbs, basically. Now, it, it helps that in the NBA, if you come in, you play defense, you coach them, you can get to 500. Like, that's – it's really not that outrageous a gap, except for the Knicks. It is because of how bad they have been. Yeah. Uh, what's going to be interesting, though, they're over 500. They're a feel-good ride. How do you get to that next step? How do you move past being, all right, a cute team, a competitive team, a team that plays hard to a legitimate, viable championship contender? And to me – it's all about players. It's all about talent. Point blank. Well, and you were talking about it with with Francesa, and he listen. Give him credit. He's, he hasn't lost his fastball yet. He's you know they need a, a guard. Doesn't doesn't need to be a point guard. Just a, bar, a guard who can make plays, make a shot. I think that's obvious. But you know, timing is everything with this stuff, and and obviously the free agent market is not great. So we'll see what they do. We're all, we're in agreement that they need one more piece. Um, that said, uh, this team is pretty special, and I think it all centers also around Julius Randle. So I wanted to throw another comp at you. And I think we talked about this maybe on an episode a few weeks ago, or maybe it was a, a live stream or something. It all runs together. A guy who came in with a, not a ton of fan, a, a decent amount of fanfare fell absolutely flat on his face and then resurrected his career in New York. The only guy that I think is a, is a valid comp and he obviously reached higher heights than what Randall's going to reach this year is a rod. Cause a rod came in and like, obviously the stats were there, but it didn't go so well in the playoffs. Do you see any of the A-Rod vibes in terms of the resurgence that Randall's having now? Uh, the reason I can't put Randall and A-Rod in the same sentence, this is no knock on Julius Randall. A-Rod, I mean, you go back to his days, Yankees, Rangers, whatever. I yes. mean, we're talking about one of the best players to ever do it. Very true. Randall, I, I see your point how he was kind of a lottery pick, Laker. People thought he was going to be a top-notch NBA pro. Didn't really live up to those heights. Goes to New Orleans. And what was the knock on Randall? It's that he was empty statistics. That he would put up 24 and 10 or 24 and 12 on a terrible team. And is he a winning player? Well, I think that's what Randall has impressed me the most with. The idea that he is a winning player. He is making the right pass. He is playing a little bit of defense. He's He's doing... All Those the things. little things that you need to do in order to win. And if I'm going to look to a player, I'm going to stick in the NBA here. The Zach Randolph comparison yeah. for me is one that I see with Julius Randall. I think it's Randall's a little bit more athletic yeah. than Zebo. But remember, Zebo is a guy highly touted. Then he got fat. He got out of shape. He ended up. You know, with Portland, even the Knicks, the Knicks basically we, gave him away. We salary dumped him. We, uh, we just wanted to get rid of him. Rightfully so, because they thought they were going to be in on LeBron and yeah. Bosh and all those guys. I remember it well, Donnie Wolf. And then he ended up going to Memphis, 
And had an All-NBA really, team. Two he All-NBA had a teams. real good four- to five-year run yeah. with the Grizzlies. So I, I, I kind of see a little similarity in what Randolph has been able to do throughout his career, and now Randall having that sort of new East on life, even though he's still super, super young, and that's the amazing. Guy's been in the league forever, but he's still super young. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, uh, it's funny. Somebody compared uh, a video of um, – one of Julius's long jumpers to to it said it reminded them of Zach and it, they they they're not terribly dissimilar. I think Randall has a higher ceiling, which I, I think you would probably agree with too. But we'll you know we'll see how the next few years go. Um, a couple more, and then we get you out of here. I know um, you got a lot to do with the draft tonight. By the way, uh, prediction for the Dolphins? Well, I well I well, I'm going to go very generic. They will okay. add a playmaker for my guy too. Uh, who that's going to be? Uh, right now, I'm going to say it's going to be Jalen Waddle. Because okay. I, think, uh, I think Pitts and I think okay. Chase are going to be gone. And I think they're going to go waddle over Devontae Smith. That's my personal thing. Okay. You, do you believe in Tua? I do. You do? Uh, okay. I, think, I think he's got to be a lot better. I, I think the limitations his first year coming back off the hip were problematic. Okay. It did not help Fair. that you had an older quarterback that knew the system as well as Fitzmagic did. I, I think in many ways he was like a crutch. You know, like it's – Oh, when in doubt, we could turn the reins over to Fitz and he could pull us out of the fire. Yeah. I don't think that was necessarily a good thing for Tua. But listen, it's not going to hurt him long term because either he'll be able to play or he won't be able to play. Yeah. So he's got to make a big step forward, though, this year. I don't think there's any question. OK, um, I, I liked him for a couple of times. I watched him last year. OK, two more in the Knicks. Um, one. How important do you think um, what the Knicks do in the playoffs Assuming they get they're not there yet, but let's assume they get there. Well, actually, be there. Be I love, we hope they will be. How important do you think that will be towards changing? We always talk about the narrative to ch- continuing to change the narrative, um, you know, uh, uh, again. And uh, Van Gundy talked about it on your podcast, the notion that guys will want to come here now. Do you think it matters if they get in and they get, you know, they lose in five games to the Bucks versus if they get in, they win around maybe as a four or five seed and then push someone? Do you, How much do you think that makes a difference? I don't think it hurts them by losing in the playoffs. I think it will like, let's put it this way. I don't think there's a negative for them bowing out to one of these vastly superior teams. Look at it as house money. If they play well, it only enhances that narrative that you're moving in the right direction. You know what I mean? Like it's not a bad thing. Cause listen, the NBA playoffs, especially are talent driven type of competitions. Talent prevails no matter how hard you may work no matter how tough you may be 90% of the time, 95% of the time in the NBA, the talented team is going to win. It's just yep. the way the sport works. Um, so from that standpoint, I don't think it like will hurt the Knicks, but playing well, it only is going to enhance your chances. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, last one. I spend a lot of time, more time than I should thinking about, you know, local angles, for teams versus national angles for teams and coverage and how teams are perceived and all of that stuff. You now have a national podcast, right? But it, it is, it is catered to, to New York. I'm just curious, you know, as you, and it, it's not even Nick's specific, but just generally like, do you, do you still approach this? Like when I'm talking about the Knicks or do you feel like I'm talking about the Knicks for Nick fans in New York, or do you feel like I got to, 
this has to be for, for every, like, how do you? No, no, I don't look at it that way at all. I look at it where I'm assuming most people, Jonathan, who listen to my podcast, have an interest and have a tie in with the New York fan base, teams, audience, whatever. Listen, we may have some anti New York people listening to the pot for all I know. We probably do. I'm not really that concerned in talking to them and trying to give them their voice. Now, listen, like I do with my radio show, a majority of stuff is going to be local centric. There's a big story, though. I'll give you an example. Aaron Rodgers, the idea that he might get traded if indeed that happens. You can best believe I'm talking about that on my podcast. Like when the NFL rolls around, I'm not going to do two hour podcasts on Jets, the Jets and the Giants. I'm going to talk about the league because it matters to people and there's you know, an interest all over the place. So, no, from that standpoint, I'm going to do the show. Like I was telling you about three in the afternoon or three in the morning. Yep. I'm going to do it with the same sort of perspective that I have for all this time. And that's just the way it's going to be. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to explain New York narratives and storylines, assuming that I got to kind of give yeah. you know, a national audience a refresher or a tutorial. That's frankly not my concern. That I'm happy, and you haven't been doing that, and I'm happy to hear it's going to stay that way. Only because you brought it up, I'm going to put you on the spot. This podcast is going to drop tomorrow. Aaron Rodgers is still a Packer by the time this podcast drops? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. and if I'm wrong, listen, you could tweet it. We could have some fun. Um, this stuff, I have no idea. I, I don't yeah, even know. I mean, opinion. I don't either. I mean, I'm, I'm rolling a dice like you. I just don't get the sense it happens tonight. I, I think maybe over the next two weeks, not tonight. I brought up to my wife, I was like, can you imagine if they if they got another former Packer legendary quarterback? My wife's all aboard. She's she just wants to see competitive football. So I don't blame her. Um, <laughs> John Stremski, um, not that anybody should know or uh, not know this by now, but can you just let the folks know at home where they could find you and all your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So New York, New York is our new podcast with 12 episodes deep starting tonight. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, search New York, New York, Apple Podcasts, search New York, New York, uh, John underscore Jastrzemski, for those of you keeping score on Twitter, and this beautiful mug will be on SNY later tonight, too. So. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. I, know what I, I know what I'm going to be tuning into. Um, John Jastrzemski, ladies and gentlemen, do yourself a favor, subscribe to the podcast. It's really good. It's, uh, it's every bit as authentic as John is himself, which is hard to do, but it is. Um, we appreciate you joining us and we will, for everybody out there, thanks for listening to another episode of the next film school podcast. We'll be back with you another one before you know it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.